Grab a seat and grab a Bible and turn with me, if you will, to the New Testament letter of Colossians. Now, while you're turning there, I have someone I want to introduce to you just real briefly this morning, but a very important person to, to all of us here. Even if you don't know this individual, she's important to you. Because just about two or three weeks ago, a young lady in our church named Addison Johnston gave her life to Jesus in baptism. Addison, if you're here this morning, would you just stand up right where you are? Addison, where are you at? Right over here. Would you just welcome her to the family of God? It is always fun to see people who come to know Jesus and find life in Him. Amen, church? And if you found life, you know the joy that we have. Although life can be very, very hard at times, there is great beauty and great joy because it is not in the circumstances that we find hope. It is in the Christ who stands above our circumstances. And the promise is that one day we will see him face to face and all those who've gone before and those who love him. And what a day that will be. By the way, my name is Josh. I'm the teaching minister here at Clear Creek. If you are a guest with us, welcome. We want you to know that It is our privilege to host you this morning, and I hope as soon as we're done this morning that you'll give us a chance to meet you. And one of the best places to go right after we're finished is right through these doors or these doors, whatever doors, but go this direction to starting point. There's a sign there, there's a table, and we'd love to help you take your next step in becoming a part of the body and the family of God. Or even just answering some of your questions about church, about life, and maybe uh, what your next step is on this journey. Because our goal, our mission as a church, is to lead our city, lead our friends, lead our family, lead the grocery checkout gal, the banker, the guy or gal in the cubicle next to us, the teacher, the student. Our goal is to lead anyone and everyone that we meet into a relationship with God and one another. And so if, you, uh, if you're ready, take that next step. We'd love to talk to you about that. All right, we're getting really close to the end of this little letter of Colossians. And by the way, just uh, how many of you still have your Colossians journal with you? Can I see them? Just hold them up for me if you've still got... Oh, outstanding. I will see you in heaven one day. That is awesome. That is awesome. And everyone else who calls on Jesus, of course. But if you got a book, you get to the head of the line, okay? <clears throat> Today... <laughs> That's bad. Today is our last Sunday in this little letter. Now, it's not our last lesson because on Wednesday night, we're going to come and we're going to finish up chapter 4 of Colossians. And i got to tell you, as I have been studying and preparing for Wednesday's class, I may be most excited about that one of all of them. Because there's some cool little things in there that honestly, until I began to look over, I go, wow, there's so much here. And so Wednesday night, 6.30, right in this room, we're going to wrap it up. And I'd love for us to finish strong together. So if Wednesday night, uh, you know, maybe you've not made it a part of your weekly rhythm, join us this week. We'd love to be able to go through that together. And next Sunday, just a real quick promo, next Sunday is Friends and Family Day. There are going to be some... Postcards, they're out at the, uh, the table in the lobby. Also, our ushers and greeters are going to have these. So as you leave this morning, they're going to give you one of these. So you can invite a friend or a family member next Sunday. And I promise I'm going to do the best I can to make it a user-friendly message. That you can bring someone and know that two things. Number one, we will love on them. And number two, they will hear about Jesus Christ, okay? So we want to invite you to take one of these and put it in the hand of a friend or family member. We'll talk about that a little bit more this morning. Now, 
this morning when I got up, from the moment I got up to the moment I came in here, like so many of you, I went through a number of doors. There was the bedroom door, the bathroom door, the kitchen door, the door going outside of the house, the car door, the office door, the inner office door, the other inner office door. We are all about security here. The office door inside of that one, then into the classroom door, then into the pre-service walkthrough door, then into the worship center door. And then this morning, by God's grace, if we get to finish this message together, we will then leave through these doors and then another set of doors, and we will start the process all over again as we go out into the city this week. Doors are a big part of our lives. And in fact, I was thinking about the different kinds of doors that maybe you've seen, as I have seen, in popular media. In fact, let me just show you a few of them. This one is a very famous door into Narnia. Man, wouldn't you love to have that wardrobe? Forget what you're wearing that day. Just go in and have an adventure. Or I really like this other door. How many of you remember the door in Monsters, Inc.? It is awesome. You go in the door one place, you come out somewhere else, you would never be late again if you had this kind of a door. Or what about this door here? Who's that? Martin Luther, great reformer, nailing the 95 theses on the Wittenberg door in Germany, started the great reformation that started what we now call Protestantism, of which we've sort of come from. That's an important door. And then of some of you, this is not really a door... But I just got to bring in some of you from that decade, that period. Yes, are you still with me now? The doors. All right, let's let's move on. Okay. And then before you go to the next slide, some of you may or may not recognize this door, but this is a famous door in literature. 221 B. Baker Street. Any of you know what door that is? Go ahead. What is it? Real loud. Sherlock Holmes door. There's a real place that you can go. They have it dedicated to the great literary mystery mastermind, Sherlock Holmes. It doesn't really matter what the door is. They all have a few things in common. They represent some very important things. In fact, doors are so important to our everyday life that the Apostle Paul, although in a jail cell, began to use this picture of the door. As he's coming to the very last few moments of his letter to the church in Colossae. A church he had never met, but he'd heard such good reports. By the way, before we met you, we heard good reports about you. And as he's coming to the close of this letter, he says, I want to talk to you about what a door really means when God is involved. And so this morning, let's look together at these few verses. Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand with me now. As we look at God's word together, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through 6. He says this, devote yourselves to prayer, church, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may, notice this phrase, open a door. For our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. 
So be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that today you would show us the doors that you have already opened for us That we would be proactive in having eyes to see and feet willing to go where you lead us. And now, as we go into this text, go before us, Holy Spirit. Show us what we need to know so that we may become the people you've called us to be. We ask this now in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and the great door holder himself. Amen. Go ahead, you may be seated. This morning, simple message. We're going to talk about doors, and when you see a door, in fact, this morning, I'm going to kind of encourage you as you walk through these doors, these doors, these doors, whatever doors you may walk through, I'm going to invite you, when you see a door, to consider what it may represent in your life and what God may want to do. So whenever you see a door, remember or recognize that a door represents four things. I'm going to use the acrostic door to help you remember. It's D-O-O-R. If you're taking notes, D-O-O-R. Notice what he says here. There are four things. Whenever you see an open door, number one, the D represents divine activity. Notice what Paul says in verse 3. He says, pray that God may open a door. That whenever you see an open door, whenever you experience an open door, it is not because of how great you are. Or great I am, how smart you are, or smart I am. It's not how creative we have become or thoughtful. It is because God himself has made a provision, made a way. He has wrenched open doors that you and I have no ability to open. In fact, have you ever considered the fact how beautiful it is when a door has been opened to you? When you pray to God and you ask him and he he opens a door. Or when a friend opens a door, maybe it's an opportunity in a job somewhere. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's to get a scholarship or a degree. Or maybe it's a teacher who spent a little bit more time with you and they open the door of knowledge to you. We know how beautiful that is. But have you ever experienced a time where someone closed a door? Or maybe they simply did not want you there and you've experienced the pain of closed doors. Here's what you need to know. Anytime you find an open door, you will find divine activity, God himself at work. This is what we read in Revelation chapter 3. And don't turn there, we don't have time, but one of my favorite passages in the entire gospel Bible, the whole picture of God is there in the book of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8, where John, the apostle on the island of Patmos, receives a vision from Jesus Christ himself, by the way, So cool. He gets this vision on the Lord's Day. Church, what is the Lord's Day? Sunday. Sunday. Thank you. God bless you. All right, church, when is the Lord's Day? Sunday. He saw Jesus on on the Lord's Day. Aren't you glad that John did not sleep in that Sunday? But he meets Jesus and in this vision he begins to receive revelation and word to share with the different churches. And to one church in Philadelphia who's just experiencing great persecution. He says, listen, I want you to know that Jesus Christ himself has opened a door for you. And if Jesus 
opens the door, there ain't nobody who can close it. I know that is bad grammar, church, but that is great theology. Ain't nobody who can close the door if God has opened the door of opportunity to you. God opens the door and we simply open our mouths. We are not responsible for the outcome. We are simply responsible for being obedient to go through the door that God has opened for us. This is why. Listen to me. Listen to me. And if you think I'm pumped this morning, just wait till we get into this message. Here's the beautiful thing. The reason Christians who understand their faith are fearless... And courageous is because they know it is not in their power, their might, their good deeds, their wisdom, their intellect. It is only because of what Christ has done that they have a door of opportunity. And so they then are confident in opening their mouths because they know God has opened the door. When you think of and when you see a door, I'm going to invite you. Just notice when you see a door, okay, God, divine activity, the D. The first O, if you want to take notes here, is opportunity. When you see an open door and when you leave this morning, I would just pray that this morning as you walk out that you say, God, I believe you are at work in this world. I am going to watch now for opportunities. This is what he says in verse 5. Look at what it says here. Make the most of every, say this word with me, church, opportunity. One more time, opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Paul is communicating a core truth that it does not matter how many open doors you find, you and I are responsible for making the most of those opportunities. Amen? Amen? Now, here's the thing. Let's just talk about the opportunities. Now, this morning, I got up and I went into the kitchen. There's this little sort of entryway. You go into the kitchen. Let me just tell you, if you're a hungry person, is the door to the kitchen a great opportunity? Amen. Man, I love it. When I get home, my favorite thing in the evenings, when I get home, I come in, I open the door. And this is true in Nashville. It's true here. I come in and, and, and I hear the sound of little kids playing or yelling, but okay, whatever. So the kids, and then I smell this beautiful fragrance. And so I sort of follow my nose into the kitchen because good smells come from the kitchen. Bad smells come from where I'm, the kids' places. And, and so we go to the kitchen And my wife's a great cook, and I love going in there. And if you're hungry, you go to the kitchen because it is the place of opportunity. Unless you are a broke college student, and then you have no money, and there is no opportunity for you in the kitchen. But for the rest of us, it is a great opportunity. You go in, or tomorrow morning when you go into work, do you realize that every morning when you walk into the door of your employment, you are walking through a door of opportunity to make it a better place when you leave than when you came in. Students, when you go to school, do you realize that when you walk in the doors of your school, into your classroom, into your homeroom, into the gym, wherever you may be going, you are in that moment walking into an opportunity and the potential of making a better place when you leave it than when you came in. There's opportunity. I was thinking about it. This is such an interesting little point that he makes because do you notice where Paul is writing this letter? He is not writing it from a place of prestige. He is not writing from the lap of luxury. Where is Paul in this, uh, when he's writing this letter, church? Do you know? He's in jail. Notice he is in jail. He is in prison. He is not in a place where he has open doors. He is behind a closed door. Now let me just ask you, if you were in jail, if you were... In that moment, not simply 
behind a locked door, but shackled to others. In fact, he's going to say, hey, look, I'm in chains because of the message of Jesus Christ. Let me just ask you, how would you respond? See, for me, I'd probably say, God, you know, look, look, I'd love to do what you've called me to do, but I can't until you open this door. I can't walk through any door. Until you give me an open door from this jail cell, there's nothing I can do. But do you notice that Paul does not, he does not, church, say because he is behind a locked door in a prison that he now has no doors of opportunity. In fact, isn't it interesting that he sees opportunity where many of us would see limitation. I wish the church and I wish we people of faith would recognize that it is not simply what we see that determines what we do. It is the God who we don't see but to who we follow that leads us into obedience to find the opportunities that are around us. There are opportunities right now. In fact, can you imagine if Paul had said, well, until God opens this door, I, you know, I'm, just, I'm not doing anything. We've spent the past seven weeks reading through this beautiful little book we would not have this little book if in jail Paul had said, well, you know, if I, I, I can't do anything here. I'm in jail. But instead he says, you know what? I may be stuck here, but I'm going to write some good theology. I'm going to write to some churches. And now, almost 2,000 years later, because one man in a prison cell said, because there is a God, I have divine opportunities, he wrote, and we have been encouraged and instructed so that we may live a different kind of life. Aren't you glad that Paul took advantage of the opportunity that God gave him church? He said, I will take this. And not only was he in jail, he was shackled to guards. But notice this, he did not see that he was shackled to them. He saw that they were shackled to him. Hello. In fact, can you imagine this? One of the letters that Paul writes, he says, Hey, because of my being in chains, the entire guard knows about Jesus. Can you imagine how this works? One guy shows up. It's his shift to be shackled to Paul. So he comes in, clink, he's in. And now Paul sits down and goes... Hey, how are you doing? And the guy goes, oh no. He goes, have you heard about Jesus? And for the next eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, he's talking about Jesus. He's sharing Jesus. He's writing letters of Jesus. He's like, hey, um, uh, does this sound okay to you? Or would you, what, what word would you, oh, this word, that's much better. Okay, we'll put that in there. He is shackled to them, most people think, but really they are shackled to him. Family, notice that you are shackled And there are people who are around you, and you think you're stuck with them, but guess what? They are stuck with you. Mamas, if you're a stay-at-home mom, or if you're a working mom, but you come home, and you're there in the evenings, and you're with those kids, some days you feel shackled to your kids. Can I get an uh uh-huh? But guess what? They're shackled to you. You get in the car, you take them to school. They are your little prisoners for the next 10, 15 minutes on the ride. When you get home, and you sit around the dinner table you got little prisoners sitting around for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes, however long that you think that you want to make their incarceration. And during those moments, you get to indoctrinate them. You get to bless them. You get to communicate to them the good news of Jesus Christ. Friends, when you go to work, ladies, when you go to work, men, when you go to work, you understand that when you walk in, you think that you have a boss who is not made in the image of God, but perhaps in the image of someone else. And you go into that job and you're like, oh no, he is such a tough person. She is such a tough person. She's a prickly person. I don't want to be here. I'm stuck with them. And Paul would say, no, you're not. They're stuck with you. 
because God has given you an opportunity. And I know when we go to work or other place, sometimes we don't want to be there, do we, family? Because they're prickly people where we work, where we live, where we go to school. By the way, just show of hands, how many of you know a prickly person? Would you just raise your hand real high if you know someone who's a prickly person, a difficult person? And by the way, if your hand is not raised, the reason is because you are the prickly person for everyone else. So you know what it's like when you are with prickly people. But listen to me. When you see a door, recognize divine activity, opportunity. And number three, it's already, it's coming up. Are you ready? Here's the third one. Second O is this. It is always about other people. Say that with me, family. Other people. Let's say it again. Other people. One last time. Other people. Understand that every open door is not simply for your good, but it's for others' benefits. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. God shows up to a man named Abram. He then later gives him the name Abraham. And he says, Abram, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the world. God has blessed you, friend, with certain talents, with time, with treasures. He has given you good gifts for the benefit of other people, God did not simply bless you to be a reservoir holding the good things of God. He blessed you to be a river through which his goodness would flow to others. A door of opportunity. When you see God at work, it is always, always, always so that you can bless other people. In fact, this is what he says. Go ahead and put this up here in verse 5 and 6. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. He's saying, look, you think... That to be a good Christian means you get along with other Christians. He said, no, if you're a follower of Jesus, when he opens a door, it will be so you can influence someone for eternity. God's heart is that his creation would return to him. And he loves you so much that he's inviting you into the great plan of redemption, of restoration, of getting this world back to the way God called it to be, to bringing back people who are far from God. And he says when he opens the door so that you can draw someone through to know Jesus Christ. Now I know when we see this we think, man, this is so hard and, and I'm in a difficult place and, and, and I just wish there was a Christian in my job Guess what, friend? There is you. God has put you there to reach other people. You say, yeah, 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 but it's, but it's so dark. It is so divorced from God. There's nothing good here. It's so bad. Listen to me, listen to me. Have you ever been in a really, really, really dark room? In a really, really bright room like this one, any one of us turn on a candle or a flashlight or anything, no one's going to notice it. But you walk into a dark room, you flip on just a little light, just a little candle, just a little match. Listen to me, the darker the culture, the brighter the smallest of lights. And you are there for the purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus with other people. So D, divine activity. O, opportunity. Other O is other people. And here's the one that I don't like. Are you ready? R. We have a response to make. Isn't it true that whenever there's a door, an opportunity, there's also the choice? I'll just be real frank with you, as as your preacher and really just as a brother in Christ, you just need to know this. There are many days that I do not walk through the door Christ calls me to walk through, and certainly not in the way that I wish I did. 
There are some days that I do not represent Jesus very well to my family. I'm short with my kids. I'm, I'm not as courteous to my wife. There are moments where I'm ashamed of the way that I have behaved. And if you've ever experienced that, you know what that's like. But do you understand there's this choice. Whenever God gives us an opportunity, he says, now you get to choose one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given any of us is the gift to respond or not. Because here's the reality today. When we walk out the store, this is all, this is all good stuff. I mean, sure, we can agree. This. Yes, yes, it's divine activity. Great, I like that. Oh, it's, it's opportunity. Yeah, I like that. Oh, it's for other people. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, that's great, that's great. But it's the moment that we walk out this door that we get to prove what we believe. And here's what I know about God. If you ask him to give you an opportunity, he will actually do it. Last week, I went to uh, Starbucks. I've sort of made that a place where I'm trying to get to know the different people who work there. Uh, At this point, I know about 18 of the regulars who go to Starbucks. And I know about four or five of the baristas, three of whom I'm getting to know pretty well. And, and about a week and a half ago, I was in there, and I just sort of felt this conviction. The, the young lady at the counter who I was visiting with, I, I was like, man, I don't know how to sort of, sort of take the conversation to the next level because there's five people behind me in line every time, and I, what do I do? So I remember I made the order, went to wash my hands. I come back out, and I, as I was washing, I said, God, I don't know how to open this door any further. And then I was like, wait, I don't do the job, do I? So I said, God, would you open the door? I don't know how. Would you just give me a chance to talk to this individual? I finish. I dry. I go sit down. They call my name. I go pick it up. As I go back to my seat, I sit down, and the barista comes over, sits down, says, hey, can we chat? <laughs> to which I replied, yes, and wow! <laughs> Here's what I know. If you ask God, he'll answer you. Church, you and I think we really care for these people who need to know Jesus, and I bet you do. But understand, how much I care and you care pales in comparison to how much your Heavenly Father cares for every person who's drawing breath on planet Earth right now. He saw every person in their mother's womb. He saw every moment of their life before the first one came to pass. He knows them. He loves them. He knows every hair on their head. For some, that's not very hard. But he still knows them. And so if you think, oh, I just love this person so much, God, why can't I open the door? You just stop and say, Lord, will you open the door? Give me an opportunity so I may share you with others. Because our mission is not to live comfortably. Our mission is to introduce people to Jesus Christ. And if you believe that, you ask him and he will respond to you. Because he loves people more than you and I will ever love people. And he will open that door wide. So will you, will I respond? One of the things that I've been thinking about is, in this passage, do you notice how many action words there are? I mean, just glance back through your testament there. There's pray. There's being thankful. There's being filled with grace. There's being wise. There's being watchful. Notice these are all action words. God's heart is not simply that we learn, but that we do something with what we learned. And that we would go and we'd share. My, my prayer is not that this room be more full, but that heaven will be more full when I die. My prayer is that I wouldn't simply raise good kids who have a good GPA, who have good friends, who marry good people. 
Listen, if I simply help my kids live moral lives, but I don't introduce them to Jesus Christ as number one, then I have missed the high calling. And listen, I know as soon as I say that, some of you go, yeah, but I didn't do that. Or this. There is grace for when we fail. Amen? But he has called us to respond. So I want to end with just two questions. Are you ready? Two questions. Number one, what door has God opened for you? Right now, just... Think with me. Go through the different doors of your life. And maybe you want to think about the physical doors you walk through. Maybe the door to your employment. Maybe it's to your school. Maybe it's to the gym where you work out. Maybe it's to that that group that you get with each week. Maybe it's who knows where. Where and what doors has God already opened for you? Here's what you need to know. And I'm going to speak very frankly to those of you who call yourselves Christ followers. And listen, I I don't know how to say this any more plainly. So please hear my heart on this. There are people that God has put in your life for the express purpose of bringing them to him. I know a guy, he's a great boss of a company. But not too long ago, he he shared with me, he said, Josh, it occurred to me that I have been really good at helping my people succeed in business, but I have not told them about Jesus, which means although they're succeeding in business, I have not helped them succeed for what really matters. Listen, if we just lead good lives and help other people live moral lives, we've still failed. So church, listen to me. There are some people in your life right now that God has put there, hand-picked for you to share the gospel. And I know the question is, well, if, if I don't share, won't God give someone else to share the gospel with them? And the answer is, I don't see that in Scripture. That if I choose to be disobedient, and if you don't, if you don't trust me on this, go to Romans chapter 9. And read about what he says, and then in chapter 10 as well. That you and I are responsible for sharing what we know. So what doors has God opened for you this week? Now imagine me, if this time next year, if you and I say from this day forward, every open door, God, I will walk through it. I will be obedient. I don't know what that looks like, and maybe I don't know how to do it well, but I will trust you to give me what I need for each day. Can you imagine what it would look like this time next year, church? What would your family look like? Mamas and daddies, if every time God opened a door for you to share something true and good about him with your children, that you did it. How might they be closer to the Father? Or maybe they cross the line and join us in the family of God this time next year. Friends, at work, what would it look like if every time there's a door of opportunity you walk through, how would your employment, how would your place where you work, how would it look better? How would those around you know more about Christ At school, what would your class look like this time next year? And hey, students, if you're not listening, just stay with me for two more seconds, okay? If you, this week and this year, and you're going, why is he talking to us? Because it's about you now, okay? Here's the reality. Too many people underestimate what you can do. I want you to know that more of my friends came to faith in high school because others told them about Jesus than anywhere else. What would it look like in your class In your school this next year, if every door that God opens for you, you walk through and said, I will be courageous and tell someone else about Jesus, what would it look like? So what doors has God opened for you? And will we walk through? Here's the second one. Ready? Second question. How will you respond? How will you respond? I was thinking about this past week, just all the different people who were faithful to walk through the doors that God opened them And throughout history, there have been faithful men and women who have opened the door or walked through the open doors and they've been shared with someone who shared with someone who shared with someone who shared with someone who shared with my grandparents 
who shared with my parents, and my parents who shared with me, and now we're getting the privilege of sharing with our kids. And I'm just thinking about if anyone along that line had chosen not to respond, what would it look like now? But here's the beautiful thing. You and I get the chance to respond. How will you respond this week? How will you respond this year? And I want to give you a real tangible way to respond. Next week, and I just want to lay this out to you, next week we have an opportunity to bring people to know Jesus and it's a safe day to do it because you won't be the only one. In fact, if you want to, blame it on your preacher. Just say, hey, he's been hounding me about inviting someone. Would you come? I mean, do it for him, not for me. Just, just would you blame it on me, okay? But invite someone. There is someone in your world who needs to know Jesus. How would it look if you invited them? What would happen? Let's just dream together. What would happen if they happen to say yes? You say, yeah, but they may not. Yeah, but they might. What happens if they come and they hear the good news of Jesus and they don't just hear it, but they see it lived out in your lives? What would happen if they then kind of get to know some of these church folk and that, yeah, we really believe what we talk about? What would happen if they began to experience what it looks like to live in community with other people who love Jesus and then they take the step to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior? How many generations until Christ returns possibly may be changed if you will simply respond by, op- by going through the open door? So I'm going to encourage you this week, would you find someone, invite them. I've got a few people I'm going to invite. I want to close this with this and then we'll give you a chance to respond this morning. One of the cool things that happened when we lived in Nashville, in our neighborhood, there sat a park just right across the street from where we live. It was a great little playground where the kids could play, and we found pretty quickly that it was also fertile evangelism uh, ground because you get there, you're going to find other parents, you're going to find the little kids, and what are our parents going to be doing? One of two things, either running and chasing after kids, or they're going to be on their mobile devices. That's basically all they were doing. And then you got the really industrious uh, dads and moms. Usually dads, moms were a little more engaged, but the dads would be there with their phone and they'd just be pushing the kids. You know, okay. And then if they have two kids, they kind of go, hmm, 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 hmm. And they just kind of do that little number. Well, one day we get out there and I have Stephen with me and this is about five, four or five years ago, I guess now. And we come and it's a cooler day, as I recall, and there was a father out there with his son. And, you know, usually when I meet someone, I always kind of get over next to him. And I always wanted to say, hey, I'm Josh. And introduce myself, ask them their name, where they come from, where they live, around the area. And uh, when this, this guy, I, I learned his name later, he said, uh, so he had this really cool accent. I was like, man, where, where are you from? He said, well, we're from Paris. We just moved, not Paris, Tennessee. <laughs> not that accent. <clears throat> Paris, France. He said, we just moved here for a job, and, and he introduced his son to us, who was about two years older than our son, and, uh, and so we got to know each other, and, and so my wife then, sort of, we, we hooked up with their family, met his wife and the son, and my wife, Lindsay, got to know his wife real well. They became friends. They started getting together for coffee, and then we as family would get together, and we would have meals together, or we'd, we'd go do things, and... Um, and we just started getting to know each other and doing life together. Now, here's the interesting thing. It just so happens. I think it's all happenstance, but here's the curious thing. Did you know um, my wife just so happens to have been a double major in college, English and French? It just so happens that 
The one day that this father and son were at the park was the day my son and I were at the park. It just so happens that God would put them in the neighborhood right across from ours so that we would have that moment that my wife who speaks French could interact with them far better than I would ever hope to. And over the course of time, we, we got to know them better and we began to share faith with them. And I wish I could tell you that they both, that all three of them have crossed the finish line of faith and they are now in a relationship with Jesus. That's not it, the case yet. But I'll tell you, one of the interactions we had, um, one of the later ones, my wife was talking to the wife. Uh, we were at Home Depot. We were doing one of these little things. Once a month, they'll get together. Kids do this free project. So we're there and we see them there. We're interacting and Lindsay begins to talk to her, and, and she begins to say, um, yes, yeah, so we've been, uh, we've sort of been talking about faith. And she starts to share with my wife that she's at least warming up to the possibility that there is a God. Oh, one other little piece of the story. My wife had a French Bible that was an English-French Bible, and she said, oh, this is a great way. You'll learn English really well. Just read this. <laughs> and so she goes, I've been reading it. Next door to them, another Christian family moves in and begins to in, talk to their son. And they begin to get to know each other better. And they begin to want to go to church. The son is like, man, I, I'd like to go to church because it sounds like a fun place. They came with us to church on an Easter Sunday in Nashville. And we got to talk to them about the gospel. And I remember one of the last interactions we have, the wife says to my wife, so I've been exploring this and I'm getting sort of warmer to it. And then she says, my son wants to go to church and so one day, he went and talked to his dad because he understood that it was dad who didn't really want to go. And so he said, Dad, do you, do you believe in God? And, and the dad says, no, I, I don't believe in God. And he says, why not? You should. And they're getting closer and closer and closer, all because it just so happened that there is a good God who put us at a right place at a right time, not because we're good, not because we're great, but he positioned us, positioned a woman who almost 20 years ago decided, I want to get a French major that opened the door of communication to a new family, to a new area, to share the gospel, and now they are closer to the line. I don't know the end of their story, but I know where they are today, and it steps closer than where they were before. By the grace of God, he opens doors, opportunity, other people. Church, how will you respond? How will you respond?